morning, everybody. It's great to be with you this morning. Happy belated uh, Independence Day. What a great uh, holiday week where the country celebrates victory from tyranny. Talk to my mother, who's in England right now, and uh, they were celebrating, and uh, uh, she's staying with a British citizen, and she was celebrating too. I said, hmm, they're celebrating defeat. All right. <laughs> The uh, women's uh, uh, national team, soccer team, who, those who are following the Women's World Cup, guess who they beat the, earlier in this week, right? It was England. And of course, this country continued a celebration with the crowning of a new king. You know who I'm talking about? Joey Chestnut, who ate 72 hot dogs. <laughs> The king of hot dog eating on the 4th of July. <laughs> so, so many things to celebrate. Uh, it's, it's a great, great time. And uh, uh, in all seriousness, um, it's a special time for our family uh, because the first Sunday, the first Sunday that, uh, that we spent in this country 43 years ago uh, was on a Sunday. Uh, it was on July 4th, I should say. July 4th was the first Sunday. Bicentennial year, 1976. And uh, how thankful uh, I am as a family and uh, to look back uh, all my life. I'll be 55 this year. 43 of that spent uh, here in the States. So I consider this home and uh, citizen of this country. And this is uh, my love is, is here uh, for, for this country and the people here. And how thankful I am to look back on God's hand and uh, so many, so many people who have uh, who helped us, uh, to who welcomed us, uh, and made us feel at home. I think of uh, the Jaegers, uh, uh, who um, we had a lot of time to spend together, uh, and uh, they're in Milton, Kentucky, overlooking Madison, uh, and uh, we would spend almost every. Uh, July 4th with them because they would have the on the river there the Madison Regatta. I don't know if some of you have heard that or not, but it's a riverboat race, and so we'd go there and they had a beautiful view of the river, and so we'd spend time there. Uh, in fact, uh, I had a chance to connect with uh, one of the children, uh, Ann Yeager, uh, and uh, and uh, I was this past week and had a chance to reminisce and talk about some things, and sh- I shared with her that I was speaking this morning, and, and uh, she just texted me. They were going to surprise me, I think, by coming out, but they weren't feeling well. So, but she, uh, was, she said she was praying for us. Um, I think of my neighbor, Mrs. Elliot, who uh, taught me piano, even though I didn't want to take lessons. <laughs> and uh, she would be right next door, and I'd see her walk by, and I'd hop on the piano. And <laughs> I was such an undisciplined child. I, I hated music lessons. I, uh, till this day, I rebel at the sight of music and <laughs> structure, and, and uh, so I never learned uh, how to read music. Uh, but uh, uh, Mrs. Elliott patiently taught me for probably three good years until she finally said, you know, I don't think this is for you. <laughs> uh, and then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Jean Adelsberger. And uh, this is when I was 11 years old. Jean Adelsberger, uh, she uh, saw my brother and I, um, you know, new to this country and uh, didn't have much in terms of means and, and wanted to make sure 
that uh, we had bicycles. So she took us to Sam's Bicycle Shop on uh, Glenway Avenue uh, and uh, between Western Hills and Price Hill area that we lived in Price Hill near the college, uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bible College. And so I don't know, some of you from the West Side may remember Sam's Bicycle Shop, but I but, uh, went there and she bought us two bicycles. This was like in August or September time period. Our first uh, time, in, you know, obviously in the States, had never seen snow or anything like that. And they said, we might have some snow, you know, this year. Of course, those of you who remember 1976 and 77 when the river froze. Well, my brother and I, we thought it'd be fun to ride our bikes <laughs> on, down our street, which was a hill. And so we would make up ramps and we'd be jumping and riding in the snow. And, and uh, it was so fun. I can't remember. I just had such a wonderful childhood looking back on all those things. And I share these stories because of the little things and the bigger things that people did to welcome us. And uh, those who are part of that ministry to welcome those who are strangers. I encourage you to have that, uh, that uh, zeal to continue to open your homes and your hearts because it made a difference in my life. Uh, and I just thank the Lord for uh, what he has done for us all these years. Thanks also to uh, Julie and for Joe and uh, for Sean for your uh, preparation and your playing and leading this morning and uh, Sean for your song, Sean, uh, the, the, the selections of song that you made this morning. And of course, I, I know I chose the last one as you asked me what do you want to sing and uh, uh, it, it all ties in uh, with the message and the passage that I've, I've picked this morning, which is in John 16, uh, John 16, 33. If you would turn there, as I think about those songs, um, we do indeed serve a risen Savior, and God has already done the work, and the victory is already ours, isn't it? And that's something to rejoice, that a mighty fortress is our God, um, and uh, on our own, our works are fruitless, and yet the man of God, Christ Jesus, has done that work for us, and so what a, what a comfort that we have in the Lord Jesus this morning. And of course, my favorite song, It Is Well With My Soul, and uh, Sean mentioned to think about the backdrop of that song, In the Midst of Tragedy. In the Midst of Tragedy, the songwriter writes that uh, though Satan may buffet, though trials may come, let this blessed assurance uh, behold that Christ has regarded my estate and has shed his own blood. What a, what a blessing we have in the Lord Jesus this morning. And... Uh, uh, as I think about, again, the uh, situation, circumstances, perhaps, that you're going through, um, I just want to share these portions of Scripture with you as an encouragement. Uh, and uh, let's, let's look to John 16, John 16, verse 33. John 16, uh, verse 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me, uh, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's just pray. Father God, it is such a blessing to be in your presence this morning. Thank you for gathering us in your name. We thank you that uh, we can look into your word. Uh, it speaks the truth, and uh, Father, may we um, ponder it, may we study it, uh, may we listen to the Spirit of God uh, that speaks to our hearts. Thank you for this time together, Father. Speak through me, I pray. 
thank you for again for this opportunity to speak from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. In life, there are joys and there are trials. And uh, trials and hurts and sorrows, fears and struggles, uh, worries, uh, anxiety. Uh, there's just problems and difficulties that we face. We don't have to look very far to encounter the troubles of the world uh, and uh, to see suffering and to see sorrow, uh, whether it's due to poverty, extreme poverty, personal or community tragedy, fear from dangerous circumstances or physical harm or all these things for yourself or those whom you love. Uh, The list can go on and on. Uh, We don't have to look very far to see the troubles of this world. Uh, And all of us who are in it can relate in some way. Uh, Struggles with uh, circumstances that impacts us uh, deeply, circumstances that perhaps cause fear and deep concern, uh, maybe cause sleepless nights, uh, an overwhelming sense of helplessness or hopelessness, uh, deep sense of sorrow, Uh, that causes your spirit to be low, feeling of utter hopelessness. And uh, in this passage in uh, John 16, Jesus begins by telling his disciples that they will, the emphasis on will, experience trouble. Uh, Here are some of the things that uh, he had just told them in previous chapters. Just to refresh, you don't have to look back, and it's recorded for us. Uh, First of all, he told them that, that Jesus said he is about to be betrayed, and that he is going away. And where he goes, they cannot come. Chapter 13. Then he tells them that this world will hate you as it has hated him first. He tells them that they'll be persecuted. And in chapter 16, beginning of this chapter, says you'll be put out of synagogues. People may even kill you, and they think they are doing a service for God. In other words, their world is about to turn upside down. See, from the previous chapters, we see there was a triumphal entry. It was uh, what we refer to as Palm Sunday. Crowds were cheering. They were welcomed. And now, the message that Jesus is delivering to them is that they're going to face trouble and tribulation in their future. Face problems face rejection. They may even experience hatred. They'll experience loneliness. They'll experience sorrow. They'll experience pain. And perhaps they may even be put to death. And so it's a bleak, bleak future in terms of what the disciples are hearing. And we know that that warning was not limited to that time only and that specific group of people. We can see as we read on in the New Testament, Paul speaks of his hardships. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, again, you don't have to turn there, he speaks of false accusations. He speaks of experiencing dishonor and bad report. He said he was beaten to the point of death. He's full of sorrow, poverty, having nothing. 
And he continues on in his epistles, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, he says this, No one should be disturbed by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. We have been destined for this. I won't show or ask for a show of hands, but if you've lived on this earth long enough, you know that life offers joys, and it can also be full of trouble and trials and sorrow and tribulation and suffering. Uh, I can, uh, we as a family, can relate to some of these things as Joyful as I was looking back in my childhood, there were also trials. I remember uh, a time in 1974, there was uh, riots that took place, a scene that uh, I don't think you know any of you but perhaps may not have faced, maybe some of you have, but uh, there were riots on the streets because of certain unjust things that were being done. And what started as a peaceful march with thousands and thousands of people turned violent very, very quickly uh, on downtown of Rangoon. And we were living there at the time uh, and uh, very close to the main streets. And uh, the rioters started to burn down buildings, setting fire uh, out of their anger and and, uh, the frustration. The government retaliated by bringing in tanks and the army, and uh, there were shots fired. There were, uh, there were people running, scattered. I remember as a, a nine-year-old holding my mother's hand, uh, and we all had to get out of our, all of our apartments and go on the street because we could have been trapped by fire that people were setting uh, and not knowing exactly what we were going to do. Dad didn't have the car at that time. That Upon that particular day, he just happened to be in the shop, so he... Uh, had to run about 10 blocks to go to the mechanic shop, make sure he got the car, bring it home so he can get us out of the city uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, as I look back, it could have been a war scene, uh, and yet as a nine-year-old, you just know that things were not quite right, and you held on to your mother's hand, and you did the best you can. Uh, and, and so you have these trials, joys that are there, and trials that take place. And perhaps there are stories that you might have, whether it's death of a loved one, loss of a job, health issues. They are just cares and concerns. And for me, the, the aspect of dealing with all these things, um, Jane will tell you that I'm a pretty sound sleeper. I can, I can sleep through almost anything and can most of the part, most of the time I can go to bed and hit the sack and, like they say, and be out in seconds. <laughs> but I know when things are on my mind, I can't, I can't sleep. And uh, those who can relate with that uh, know. Uh, and I've had a few of those in my youth, but as I get older, they tend to increase. And perhaps some of you can, who are getting older can relate. And I've had uh, a few of those sleepless nights. And for me, those sleepless nights are a strong indicator of deep concern and worry. Not that I'm not concerned all the time, but there's things that, are, that occupy your mind. So much so that, uh, that you feel this sense of hopelessness and helplessness 
And all you can do is cry out to God that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and that we can sing it as well with my soul. And so that's the prayer that I have this morning as I deliver this message to you, that this is a message of hope, not a message of despair. Think of it as what keeps you up at night. How does one cope when faced with severe circumstances, whether it's personally, whether it's for a loved one, whether you're facing trials or hardships or troubles or worry, relationship challenges, financial crises, health issues, work issues. Perhaps you look in the future and it looks pretty bleak. Do we cope by distraction? Do we cope by uh, ignoring? Do we cope by going into seclusion? Perhaps we pursue things that we believe might bring us happiness Perhaps we find a means of escape. You know, one of the things that, uh, that uh, uh, I think it was E.J. Stevens who said a few weeks ago, he looked from India into America and looked at the prosperity of this country, and he could not imagine there would be any sadness or sorrow. And yet he said, the church is full of people in the pews with sorrow and challenges. And struggles, and uh, his word of encouragement uh, was so precious to me. Of that uh, story, I, I never thought of it in, in that context. Those who heard it, the story of the boy who fell asleep and fell down and died. I don't know whoever. I think most of you may have heard it, but he talked about how the, the congregation reached down. Paul reached down that boy, and an encouragement for all of us to reach down for those who are hurting. Uh, very precious, that, uh, those thoughts. Anyway, um, we can go on in terms of how all those distractions and all those thoughts never meet or even come close to meeting our needs in those situations. And uh, in, this, in this passage, Jesus presents this future reality to the disciples and the problems they're going to face. And... Um, the disciples didn't quite understand what he was talking about, and yet they were concerned at the same time. And he comforts them with these words. He says, take heart. Take heart. And some translations may have, uh, I think those of you different translations, you may see, be of good cheer or take courage. Uh, in essence, what he was saying was, you know, take Take, take courage, uh, cheer up. Have you ever been uh, in a really bad situation, feeling really, really down? And someone comes to you and says, cheer up. <laughs> you know? Or maybe take courage means what? Uh, buckle up, you know? Strap your boots on. Take heart. Uh, it, it, it doesn't quite, quite seem <laughs> comforting, does it? Um, it, it almost seems uh, superficial. It seems like uh, that person really doesn't care. There's uh, not that sense of concern when someone may say that to you. But 
we're looking at it from our perspective. And from our perspective, if someone does come and say that to you, we know that they are utterly, utterly powerless perhaps to do anything, anything permanent about our circumstances. And yet the one who says it here is Jesus. And when he says, take courage, cheer up, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Totally different. And so I looked at this past, this word of taking courage, be of good cheer, take heart. And it's this, the Greek word, and Mike is not here to correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe John or Eric, you can get, <laughs> keep me on track here. But as I studied it, it's the word their uh, city, their city. Therseo is the root word of it. And uh, first of all, that Greek word is used in the imperative. And that is that it's a command. Take courage is not just a suggestion or a word of encouragement. It is a command. Uh, secondly, it's translated literally to radiate warm confidence or exude social boldness. It is this confidence that you know that are fits from within, that it is this unflinching courage. It refers to God bolstering the believer, empowering them with a bold inner attitude. So for the believer, it's that result of the Lord infusing his strength by his inner working of faith, showing this unflinching, bold courage. It's this means of living out the inner confidence that is spirit-produced. There's a whole lot there to unpack. But when Jesus says, cheer up, take heart, take courage, it it has all of that embedded in it. There are only six instances where this word is used in the New Testament. And all of those times, except one where you have to make the connection, but all those times, it's Jesus who says it. And I want to take a look at some of those just to provide some context. So please do turn to uh, in your Bibles. We'll look at the first one, Matthew 9. Matthew 9, uh, beginning with verse 2. Matthew 9, beginning with verse 2. And it says, Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart. Same word there of Therseo. Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Take heart. Turn, uh, look, look at a few verses further down, uh, beginning in verse uh, 20. Chapter 9, verse 20. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. Therseo, and your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, 
beginning in verse uh, 46. Mark 10, 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, uh, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Again, this is Therseo. Cheer up on your feet. He, Jesus, is calling you. In these passages, there's a sense of desperation with all these individuals. First, the man and his friends who had deep concern for him. The woman who had tried everything and now willing to risk everything. And then the man, in spite of being told to keep quiet, they all approached in faith. They heard the words of comfort to take heart. And they experienced healing, the presence of God. There is confidence in approaching him, and there is a direct answer to their request. Let's look at another passage. Uh, You have parallel passages here in Matthew 14 and also Mark 6. But let's go to Matthew 14. And we'll look um, at the same word that is being used. Matthew 14, beginning in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, Tharseo, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? The disciples were afraid of what they saw, thinking it was a ghost. It's uh, the fear of the unknown. And Jesus says the same word of comfort to them. Tharseo, take courage. It is I. And next, we have a familiar portion that we're all, you know, too familiar with, Peter. And I never understood why, why he wanted to step out of the boat. Why didn't he just say, come closer, Lord, so I can see you and touch you? But he did what he did, and that's Peter in terms of his boldness. Uh, and he stepped out, and we see what happened there. He took his eyes off, and he got scared, and... Jesus, uh, I don't think, rebuked him harshly. He just, I think, perhaps said it softly to him, you of uh, little faith. Now, we can't be too harsh on Peter. He was the only one that actually 
did something. You know, he's the leader of the pack. And, uh, but in the, all these passages, we see faith and this encouragement of Tharseo, take courage, and the effects of confidence that are there, all interworking all together. It's that imperative where there's the strength of God that is presented, there's the receiving of it, there's the expectation that is there, all of it working together. We see the positive side of faith, and we see potentially the lack of faith that is there, or little faith that is there. When Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, it's a command for us to take courage, to take heart, allowing the Lord again, as I said in the definition, to infuse his strength through faith, that we display this unflinching, this bold courage, and living out that inner confidence that is spirit-produced. That's the difference in the Christian life. No matter what the struggles are, there is that we serve a risen Savior who has conquered it all. Now, as we look at these passages, we, do, we can take heart, but how do we take this head knowledge, this head knowledge of the word of God, that's the truth, it's the command, and how do we live that out in our hearts? And it is interesting that one of the translations says to take heart. And as I pondered that, how does that translate from your head to your heart where you definitely know that the strength of God is within you? John MacArthur, as I studied that portion that he spoke from, he says, the matters of the heart, there are three things. And I'll borrow from his outline in this portion. There are three heart needs of all people. And that is the need for love, the need for trust or faith, and the need for hope. And may I submit to you that all three of those heart needs are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The need for love, to be loved, to experience love unconditionally, to be loved by someone who knows your faults, who knows all your warts and pains, and knowing all of that, in spite of all that, still expresses their love, and you know that they love them, that you are loved. That is the level of love that our heart needs. And I won't spend a whole lot of time on that aspect. Uh, Abe spoke a couple of weeks ago about God's love. Um, just one illustration. When I came in this morning, uh, and, of course, the formal attire of a tie usually indicates that you're speaking on Sunday, but Phil said, hey, Chris, you're looking sharp, you know, and so that's a... It's nice to get encouraged as, as uh, he didn't say anything to someone else who was beside me. I won't mention that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, I, I thought back to the thought as I was thinking about this portion as well is uh, when, I, uh, when, when Catherine was young, uh, she loved to play in the dirt. And I think she was about two years old. Jane was working in the garden in our little house, and they were all in the mud. And I think that day Jane just said, have at it, you know, I'll clean you up later kind of a thing. Uh, and so she was really dirty, muddy, everything. I came home from work, and in those days, you went with a white shirt and a tie, those who were in finance. And I don't think this happened, but uh, 
Imagine if she were to run up to me to give me a hug. Or if I were to run to her and hugged her. It probably, that scene would have never happened. Because I would have never imagined taking my child, who is all dirty, even though I loved her, and you know, embraced her in her state and in mine. I may have gone inside and changed into my dirty clothes. But you know, God's unconditional perfect love is he did exactly that. That exact thing happened. He embraced us while we were yet sinners. As Christ died for us, while we were yet sinners. He loves you right where you are. That is a matter of the heart. If you can take that in your heart, it is such an encouragement when the master says, cheer up. I won't say any more, but it's, you know that reality. And take hold of that this morning if you have forgotten. Secondly, the need for trust, someone to believe in, to place our faith Someone who is absolutely consumed with our well-being, into whose hands we can place our lives, who is powerful enough and generous enough and has the resources to secure them in the midst of an insecure world. Someone to place our faith in. Someone we can really trust. You know, one night a house fire took place and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. And the father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms, calling his son, Jump! I'll catch you! He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. And all the boy could see, however, was flames and smoke and blackness. As can be imagined, uh, he was afraid to leave the roof. And his father kept yelling, Jump! I'll catch you! But the boy said, Daddy, I can't see you. And the father replied, but I, I can see you. And that's all that matters. Trust in yourself and you are doomed with disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in money, and you'll have it taken from you. Trust in reputation, and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God, and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. D.L. Moody spoke those words. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The need for love right where we are, the need to place our faith and trust on someone who deeply cares for us and who has the absolute power to rescue us. And finally, the heart need for hope. Our, our need to know that there is a future to see the light at the end of the tunnel, that someone has a plan and someone has a purpose, that somewhere in the future something good 
is going to happen. And it is going to be far better than any of the bad experiences that occupy the moment. A story is told of a self-made millionaire, Eugene Lang, who greatly changed the lives of a sixth-grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth-graders. What could he say to inspire these students, he thought, most of whom would drop out of school. He wondered how he could get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children even to look at him. And scrapping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. He said, stay in school, kids, and I'll help pay for the college tuition for every one of you. And at that moment, the lives of these students changed, and for the first time, they had hope. One of the students said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling, he said. And as they look back in that event, nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. Hope means to desire something with confident expectation of its fulfillment. Good news is this, if you find yourself in hopelessness. Help is available, not the kind that the world has to offer, but where it wishes for things. It's a faith of the one who is a promise giver that keeps his promises. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith, hope, love. Our memory verse this month, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint, Isaiah 40, 31. Jesus said, take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. He's already won, hasn't he? Paul says we are more than conquerors. We have a bright future ahead of him. Our hope is in him. And... This morning, as I think about that reality, even in the midst of hopelessness, which in this life, there will be trouble, there's one that we can cry out to. There's one we can cry out to that loves us, that we can place our faith in, that we can have our hope in. We can look forward to that eternity little story that I read here where a man approached a little league baseball game one afternoon and he asked a boy in the dugout what the score was and the boy responded 18 to nothing we're behind (laughs) and the man said oh boy uh, I'll bet you're discouraged he goes why should I be discouraged we haven't even come to bat yet (laughs) that's hope
If you're in pain this morning, if you're hurting, if you're struggling, if life has thrown you challenges, it's not unusual. You're not alone. And yet we have one we can go to who says, take heart. Take heart. I love you right where you are. I'm in that mud pit. I'm the one that, that searches for the lost sheep. I'm the one that comes when you're needed most. Cry out to me, and I will answer you. How thankful I am as I look back in these 43 years here in the States. Joys, challenges, concerns. And uh, be reminded that God always, always answers prayer. Some just take a little longer than others. And yet he has a perfect plan. Amen. Let's just close in time. Father God, we just thank you that we can have this absolute confidence in you. It's a struggle at times, Father, and you know all those struggles. You know everyone in this room, all those in our fellowship, the challenges that each person faces, and yet we have this absolute confidence in you that you are in control. You care. You love us that we can place our absolute trust and faith in you and that we have that hope of eternity with you and that you have, Father, that you have our best interest at heart. So, Father, we thank you that we can come together as a fellowship to pray for one another, to intercede for one another before the very throne of grace and that we have this confidence that you give when Jesus says, take heart. Be of good cheer. Take courage that we can have that strength that can only come from you. So we thank you for our time together. Dismiss us now with your blessing. We just pray these things in Jesus' name.